And as you're having a seat, just pray with me and for me real quick. Jesus, uh, meet us here. Holy Spirit, work through the word to connect us to Jesus and all of his benefits. Make us in union with Christ that we might hear in this time, in this moment, that we might find rest for our souls as we hear good news, the good news of your grace and your gospel. Do that now. Amen. 264 hours, 264 hours, and or approximately 11 days. This is the longest period of time in recorded history that someone has been able to survive without sleep. 264 hours. Of course, after three or four nights of no sleep, you are prone to hallucinating, to severe impairment. I wonder if a handful of people driving on these roads haven't slept in a while. (laughs) Paranoia. And I don't know about you, but after like one night of bad sleep, I'm basically undone. It's like a sick day, right? If you're married, you wake up in the morning and one of the first questions you might ask is, how did you sleep last night? And you're hoping it's going to be a good answer, but if the answer is, I did not sleep well, you're thinking, okay, now it's time to buckle up the seatbelt for the day. (laughs) Oh, our, our rest is important and the Lord has made us to know rest and to know rest in Him. So perhaps another way to get now to the fourth commandment and really, of course, to see Christ in the commandment is to simply ask this question, are you tired? Are you tired? I might even ask the question, are you more tired than normal? Anybody want to like T-Rex that one? (laughs) Some of you aren't, congratulations, but actually they're there's a thing right now across the land, um, in part because of the last 18 months and everything that's going on in the world, that in fact, measurably, people are even more tired right now than normal. We're worn out, and we're searching for true Rest, Because if you have been restless, if you know the way of a restless soul, you know that, unfortunately, a nap's not going to cut it. So we come to the fourth commandment, where God clearly commands his people Israel to imitate him in his work and rest cycle in creation to get rest, not only for his glory, but for their good, and not only for their good, but so that they might be a light to the world. So there it is. We're back to this again. Get some rest. Set apart the day as holy. Slow down. Chill out. Carve your time and your life around the rest that God has commanded, trusting him that it is for your good, to worship God, to rest in him, and to rest with him. This is actual self-care, and it should be easy. Except it's not. Not at all. And I am well aware of myself, and therefore I project onto you, given probability that there are some here this morning who are deeply restless, who are exhausted, who are hanging on perhaps 
by a thread. And I loved this quote from this last week. We're an exhausted people living in an exhausted world. And we're tired of it. <laughs> we're an exhausted people living in an exhausted world. And we're tired of it. Oh, the irony. We are tired. We don't know where to find rest. And we don't even know what to do about it. Family, the good news for us this morning in the fourth commandment and the setting apart of the Sabbath in the worship and the rest of God is that there is rest for us. Indeed, this is rest, being here to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus. There's hope. There's Sabbath. And so to quote the author of Hebrews from chapter 4, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Ah, to cease striving, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And so as we proceed in, in opening up this text from God's word, that's the goal, that we might make every enter, effort to enter into the rest that God has given us finally and fully in Jesus, his son. And we're going to do that this morning by looking at three things. Let me read them off for you, since I have been known for being extremely easy to follow. First of all, we are a restless people. Secondly, God commands or mandates our rest. Weird, but you'll see why. And lastly, God animates, vivifies, gives the power of our rest. And first, we are a restless people. So step one in understanding this fourth commandment is an admission that we are actually bad at the good rest that God commands. So what does he command here exactly? Well, rest and worship. A life pattern of working hard for six days and then taking a day to truly stop and trust and wait and rest in him and worship him and worship for rest and rest for worship. So the Hebrew word Shabbat carries with it a strong connotation. Cease and desist. God is telling his people, you, your hearts are broken. They're sick with sin. You need Christ. You're, your heart's a factory of idols. And you're either going to go in one of two trajectories like your first father, Adam. You're either going to go toward laziness or passivity or you're going to go toward being a workaholic and not trusting God and thinking you have to earn a life for yourself and do it on your own. Restlessness and the people under you are going to feel it so that no one can ever rest. Likewise, the word for Sabbath carries the implication of the completion of a sequence. So again, we see the God who works for six days, doesn't sit around and twiddle his thumbs, works hard, but on that seventh day, he steps back and says, it is good. I, I, I've built this, and now I need to enjoy and glory in what I have built. And what we realize here in the command is that this isn't merely, you know, hitting the beach by yourself. First of all, it's holistic. It's heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because how easy would that be? Oh, your life is restless. You're anxious. You're struggling. Well, go take a hike. That'll fix you. It might help to release, you know, some chemicals. It's certainly not a bad idea to get some exercise. But it doesn't fix us. 
Likewise, we're not meant to be doing these things alone. The fourth commandment was given to God's people corporately, all of Israel. We have to sort of denounce, as it were, every single week our individualism as we hear the law of God. It's not us-centered. We as a people are to be gathered from out of the world so that as a people we might remember and be recounseled to Jesus as we prioritize God's worship and remember our place in God's plan. God tells Israel, you need to stop. You're going to be all about it. Your crops, your stuff, your work, your money, your things, all the things. You need to stop and remember who you are. Because this world, as we know, is doing everything it can to help us to forget who we are. Forget that you are known and loved by God in Christ and go buy more stuff. Go buy that thing that's finally going to fix you and then you can stand in front of the mirror and airbrush yourself and you'll finally feel complete. You'll finally feel whole. You'll finally have rest of soul. Oh, wait. It didn't work again. Ah, don't worry. There's more shiny things to buy. So we're bad at it. We're too busy and in our busyness, we feel overworked. In our pride, we overwork other, other people And let's be honest, we really do struggle to prioritize the worship and rest of God. I mean, I do. I almost got laughed out of the room one time. I was with a group of pastors down in Albuquerque, and we were talking about church and church people and praying for all of you and very strong words, love you so much and want to get people to show up. And I raised my hand and said, you know, I'll be honest, if I didn't work at a church, it might be hard to get there a few Sundays. And it was like, oh, Pastor Greg, how dare you? Well, sorry for being human and a sinner who needs God's help. That John Frame, one of my absolute favorite kind of scholars and theologians, puts it this way, that of the Ten Commandments, the fourth is the only command that Christians are, are blatantly okay with violating. Ouch to me. <laughs> the only command that Christians are blatantly okay with violating, right? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come in and be nonchalant about do not murder. We know it's bad to lie and steal and commit adultery. And yet God has said, for your good and his glory, rest, cease and desist. And we do everything we can to either forget it or wiggle our way out. Tim Keller refers to this as our susceptibility in any cultural context to acceptable sins. So what do we do as a church? We hobby horse certain stuff that's really bad and then we just never talk about the other stuff because that would be looking a little too closely in the mirror. So stuff that's easier to see, we focus on and other things like rest and gluttony and the list goes on, we avoid. As many of you have heard, this is a result of culture, the culture we live in. Culture eats strategy for lunch. So we have to be intentional. We have to have a plan for understanding ourselves through God's word and planning to take the rest he has commanded. If we don't, it won't happen. What's the definition of insanity? Right? I keep doing the same thing and getting the same results. One way to dig into this for me and you, because I was deeply convicted by this this week, is what makes you restless? Where is there restlessness of body and soul, and why? Where is there deep unease, the inability to settle, anxiety? Is it, is it a job? Is it perhaps a relationship, a spouse, a child, a parent? 
Is it always thinking about money? Is it the thoughts that run through our mind that keep us from sleep? Or is it just the constant scrolling? I saw an article recently that basically said, iPhones, dot, 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 we're all addicts now. And by the way, when the smartest people who graduate from the smartest schools are going to work for these companies to keep you on there as long as possible, getting dopamine hits so you can buy stuff, do you think you're going to outsmart them? And yet this is how God's law works. So let me just say again, as we preach through the law of God, it afflicts us, it does surgery on us in our comfort where we're blind, but it comforts us in our affliction because Christ has kept the law. So even as we hear and think through these things, that we are a restless people, our eyes are lifted up to remember that we have rest in Christ. Well, we're bad at it, okay? There's a lot of internal turmoil. Your heart's a quagmire. Or maybe you're doing okay right now, but wait a day till the next thing comes into your life. Compounding that is the fact that the world piles on broken promises of rest. So many broken promises of rest. Some of you in this room may even be old enough to remember the promises of automation. Remember that? Automation. You're going to have a thing that washes your dishes, a thing that does your laundry, You're going to go to the office, you're going to have computers that'll do all the work and math for you, and the work week's going to be cut down to 20 hours a week. How'd that work out for everybody? In fact, recent studies have shown, I think I saw one recently in the uh, Harvard Business Review talking about that the fact that Americans are actually working more hours than they've ever worked in recent times, and ironically, are less productive. And they're exhausted. We have more, more than, than basically any society has had before us. And yet, as we know, the rates of melancholy and depression are up. Many of us struggle with FOMO, fear of missing out. We're high strung. We brag about the fact that we have X amount of vacation days but didn't take all of them. We're unsatisfied. The world's promises of rest have once again oversold and under-delivered. On top of that, we're we're not just tired, but I think we can observe that people are kind of angry. When you're tired, you get agitated, and I wonder if you've noticed that. Have you noticed that people are a little bit on edge in the world right now? We're all in it. We're all under it. This is scientifically measurable. And yet, you don't need to do anything but drive your car or try to get on a plane to realize that right now, people are basically on the brink. It's kind of a baseline situation right now of everybody's about to blow. And so even though we're a very hardworking people with a determined work ethic, in some ways, in the breaking of the fourth commandment, our restlessness, there's nothing to brag about here. Read something this week. The average American works 100 hours more. That's almost three weeks more than the average Brit. Oh, those Brits and the commies. You know, as we sit back in our armchair and remember the glory of a couple hundred years ago and all that happened, you know. It's like when your football team wins and you take credit for it. Yeah, I did that, you know. There's nothing to brag about here. The fourth commandment gives you permission to rest. Indeed, if, if we would stick our nose up at the Brits... 
Well, embrace the irony that if you count up all the festivals and feasts and times of rest in the Old Testament, it would have been at least as much as the average European and probably more. So do you give yourself permission to rest or are you too righteous for that? Are you too busy? Is your work too important? I think what happens is we often find ourselves feeling righteous and pious and justified when we see those other people out there not working as hard as us. They must be lazy. And the sad result of our restlessness is we fall into the trap of becoming judgmental. Now, why is all this the case? Of course, there's a simple answer here. Our our sin. We don't trust God as we ought. We know he loves us, but we don't return that love as his bride. Simply, we want to be our own gods, and so we end up bowing to the idols of the world. Mammon, success, climbing. I mean, you certainly can't rest if there's someone out there right now who might be working harder than you who's gunning for your spot. Yes, there is a simple answer, but it's also very complex. It has to do with the cultural moment that we're in, the pandemic, supply chains, our pride, our tiredness, unmet expectations, and a whole list of other things that are churning in our souls. And if that's true, and you don't have the mind of God, then the fourth commandment actually invites us to be very humble. So let me put it clearly. If God needed to rest, you do too. How could we possibly think we don't? If God needed to rest, if he himself decided to build and create and then rest, how much more are we in need of the same? We dare think not. This quote from Tim Keller summarizes the point is applicable to all 10 commandments. If you have a God who never ever disagrees with you or your lifestyle, you are probably worshiping an idolized version of yourself. Ouch. Oh my gosh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus because we are all doing that. You guys, we would be helpless and hopeless if it weren't for Christ. Because when we really start to peel back the onion and see how deep the rabbit hole goes, And see just how hopelessly meritorious we are. You know, on the one hand, we don't rest, we break the commandment. On the other hand, others who are saying, well, I keep the commandment just fine, and these idiots over here are sinners. If your God never disagrees with you, you are probably worshiping an idolized version of yourself. So as I studied this week, I was convicted, honestly, of my own need to repent Now, repent is not a dirty word. It's not a bad word. It means to turn away from that which does not satisfy these empty wells and broken cisterns and turn to Jesus, who already knows how much you need him. And who doesn't set his love upon you when you are sufficiently lovely, because you're a great little commandment keeper, but sets his love upon the unlovely, because he's already kept the law for us. I need to repent. I need to repent for my lack of resting in the promises and the provisions of God. What about you? We are a restless people. But friends, there is a better way. And I love this quote from St. Augustine. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. There is a better way, and this is why God, the God of the universe, commands our rest. 
because he knows what's best for us and for the world. Not just for you, but for your sons and your daughters, for your servants, even down to the animals. The work that God is doing in Israel and in us is to rescue and then be in relationship. To rescue and to save by grace and then to be in relationship that we might rebuild the world, that we might replant the world, that we might bring the kingdom of God and see the garden thrive. Now, it's not yet. It's not yet. There's still great brokenness this side of heaven, but it's now. And God is saying to us through the law, you have already been rescued. You've been brought through the sea. I've conquered my enemies. You've been saved. Now will you trust me? Will you trust me that I want you to flourish? I want to bring back the reality of the garden into your life so that you may be a light on a hill for Santa Fe. And if we want to flourish, we must replenish. And that's why I think it's good to stand back for a moment and just see the beauty of this command, the beauty of God in it. The commentaries I read all indicated that this command inscribed in Israel's holy law was unique in the entire ancient Near East. Remember, across the ancient Near East, it was all about pyramids with one guy at the top, Pharaoh or Nimrod or take your pick. And then at the bottom were slaves, an unbreakable caste system, a glass ceiling you couldn't pass through. And so there was nothing wrong with saying the slaves need to work, they need to work every day. And when they wear out, bummer, we'll just get some more. No. We know that this command is not only unique to Israel, but it conforms to all the research that we continue to do in the world that we live in. Our muscles need rest, we need sleep. And so this command is, is good. It's a reflection of God's character. We should not be pagan in the way that we approach the fourth commandment. We're not robots, we're not machines. So we need to decry our, our loosely held materialism that we kind of push into the dark corner. Human beings are not machines to just be oiled when they start to squeak. They need true rest. And that rest is found in God. The command of God is a reflection of his very own person. He's not frantic. He's not anxious. He's not exhausted. But he's also not lazy. God works and he rests. In the same way we are to work and to rest, to build and to enjoy. And this was his plan all along. Because Exodus 20, our text, ties the Sabbath the cease and desist of rest, to creation. God worked six days, rested the seventh. But in Deuteronomy, when Moses recounts the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 5, it's actually tied to Israel's redemption. So you see, this isn't just people for people who existed before the fall and sin came into the world. Well, there's sin in the world now, God. We gotta work harder. No, in fact, it's even more important now that there's sin in the world to protest the idols of the world with our rest. God doesn't just create us for rest. He redeems us for rest. He redeems a people who will rest in him and speak a story to the world that there is something better than the endless restless cycle of works and merit. So rest is a gift gift to know God 
to know our purpose in God. We are his image bearers and therefore we are made to imitate him. God gives his people the dignity of rest. I saved you from the land of Egypt. You're no longer slaves to work. You're no longer slaves to endless work. You have the dignity of rest. And one commentator noticed this, found it interesting, that this is the only known place in the entire ancient world, including advanced societies, where even animals were given a national protection for the dignity of their rest. Did you see that? God doesn't want only humans to have rest or only people in power. He wants his rest to extend as far down as his created order. Now, human beings bear the image of God in a unique and special way. There's no doubt about that. But God even wants your animal, your sweet, precious cat or dog, emphasis on dog, to get some rest. And so it's here that we remember that rest is grace. That the Sabbath and all of its regulations were given to us not to be a burden, but that we might embrace the rest of God. That we might know that we need his help to remember it. Even when our heart messes it up. In Matthew 12, Jesus says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. That the Sabbath wasn't, you know, in particular given so that we could be burdened by rules and regulations, but so that we might be freed. And in that text, Jesus said, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mercy and not sacrifice. Because the rest of God is that we might know him and be in relationship with him. That's why we're, we're told to make it holy, to set it apart, to set apart time with God, to be remade and reoriented according to Christ. Our worship is part of that. Hopefully, that's what we do when we come in here. I know you all are very busy and have a lot of things going on. But by God's grace, this is a place where you can sit down on the mercy seat of Jesus Christ and you can finally rest no matter what's going on in your life. You can know that God loves you, knows you, and is in control. And all you have to do is not work but believe. And all of that is yours for free. So the question of the command is, do we know how much we need this? Do we trust God with our time? Do we prioritize his worship? And I understand it's hard. I have kids too. I have activities as well. I know there's a lot going on. But, but are we going to be the ones who, who don't pay any attention to the fourth commandment? Or are we going to be the ones who say, all right, Lord, it doesn't all make sense to me and it's tough, but I trust you. Well, to be honest, at this point, my hands want to go up in the air and just say, Jesus, help. And so it is very good news whenever we come to God's law that wherever God guides, he provides. Whatever God mandates, he animates. Or again, to quote St. Augustine, command what you will, Lord. We trust you. Tell us what to do. We want to live. We want to flourish. We want to bring back the garden. Command what you will, but give what you command. Because how are we going to change, right? Well, do better. Do better with the Sabbath, young people. Whippersnappers. Set aside a day, you know. Okay, yeah, thanks for playing. Later. Guess I'll watch you online next time. You know, picture in picture. I got you and football going at the same time. <laughs> uh, duty and law is not going... It, it, it does not help us change. 
It might compound guilt or shame. It can adjust behavior. But on a heart level, God must animate what he mandates. And this happens in two ways. By the rest of Jesus as a gift for us that we receive by the Holy Spirit and by exercising those muscles for, for the rest that this world needs. So by the rest of Jesus and for the rest of justice. Let me explain. God animates our rest. Where he guides, cease and desist, he provides. The fourth commandment at its very bottom is a declaration to all of us that we can't save ourselves. Man, we've been working, we've been trying, we've been striving. We cannot save ourselves. It's not enough. We're not enough. And even if we work harder, it's not enough. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has already done the work so that we can rest. He kept the law perfectly so that he then could become the pure and spotless lamb, die on the cross for the sins of the world, take all of our sins, take all the justice of God so not one ounce, one drip of condemnation is left for you. But even more, he rose again from the dead to procure power that he would send to us by his Holy Spirit so that we could rest in him and never be destroyed by the, by the words of work harder. And lastly, of course, he ascended to his throne where Jesus becomes the first high priest in all of history to sit down because the work is finished. This is exactly what we confessed during our assurance. Christ has entered not into a place made with hands, copies, but heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, but as it is, he appeared once for all to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Or to paraphrase, it is finished. It is finished because Christ has kept the law, because he has kept all the law of God and been perfect and died perfectly in the place of imperfect people and risen from the dead and ascended to his throne as king. We can be animated to obey, not because we have to, but because he's so good now we want to. This is the goodness of God. This is the assurance of his grace. This is the gospel. That God finds the weary, seeks out the lost, looks for the restless, and doesn't add to their burdens, but says, believe, Christ has done it all. His rest is ours. And if that's true, then it must be theirs. Let me explain. Because we are animated by the rest of Jesus and then having received his spirit, we are sent out for the rest of the world. God's rest in us by the spirit takes action. When we rest, it is a protest to the idols of the world. It's also an opportunity to help out the tired. So the fourth commandment is a commission to Christians. Here's the charge. What should we do with this good news? What should we do with this gospel? Awesome. Awesome. I can see striving. Christ has done it all. The Holy Spirit comes by faith and connects me to Christ. For the glory of the Father, for my good, I'm flourishing. Look at me, I'm flourishing. In the strength of your flourishing that comes from the Spirit, go and find the restless. Go and find the restless. N notice that the command says, even the sojourner 
is to be given rest. Man, it is a weird state of affairs, folks. And I'm, I'm looking straight in the mirror here when Chick-fil-A is doing a better job of this than the church. I do want some chicken now. <laughs> How many times y'all want chicken on Sunday? You know. And you remember. Actually, they're giving all their people some rest. So maybe you manage some people. Maybe you know some people. Maybe you got some folks that help out at your house. Maybe you're a boss man or a boss lady or you've just got some people that you work with. Because we are animated by the finished rest and work of Jesus, we are sent out to help the restless find their rest. Even down to the sojourner, that is the immigrant, the refugee, the least of these, the weakest of these, those who are most easy to exploit, we are most responsible for helping to come into the rest of God. This is what a just society looks like. And because we are in the world and not of it, and we're not supposed to escape to the temple and bury our head in the sand, and we're not supposed to compromise with the culture, we, the church, animated by Christ, need to be the light and the hands and feet of the rest of God to the restless world. Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. So weary ones, let us rest. And if your life feels like 264 hours sometimes, you're, you're this close in your exhaustion. If your life feels like 264 hours, remember, not only that Christ has kept the command and you are rescued, but now being rescued, we have permission to respond with real rest. Hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Come to me. He doesn't despise. He doesn't push away. Oh, you're doing really bad at this. No, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And what does it say? I will give you rest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the rest that only you can promise because unlike the world, you keep your promises. And only you, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, can provide. Jesus, would you just wrap us up in, in your grace and mercy in this command? You're, you're a good father, a good surgeon, so you, you expose the need. But Lord, you never leave us there. You don't leave us on the table. No, Lord, you, you suture us up with your own strength. You animate us with your spirit so we can do the PT, and you send us out to the world to bring the good news. Every week we come here, Lord, and in some ways, we're restless. And every week, you say, I know. I know you can't do it on your own. Stop trying. Sit down and eat. Stop trying and believe. Come to this table. Come to this feast. Come to this food and trust me and believe that the rest you need has already been provided and the strength you need will be given. So, Father, as we come to your table, to the Lord's Supper, Help us to come by faith. Even if it's weak faith, we come believing that all the rest we need, all the nourishment we need is found in you. Amen.